Welcome, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, to Movie Mastery. It is the podcast where we discuss the movies you want us to. And uh, I'm John. Jeff is here. Say hi. Hello. Good. Yay. Good. <laughs> and uh, this week, we are watching probably one of the most unintentionally racist movies ever. I don't even feel like it could possibly be unintentionally racist. It was the 80s. Back then, they didn't know what racism was. Oh, they man. just knew what greed was. Yeah, I, I can tell you, I am so angry just watching just a little bit of the trailer of this thing. Yeah, we watched the trailer, and we'll uh, give you what we think is going to happen in this movie. But, uh, man, that even just that trailer is infuriating. Yeah, first of all, we gotta thank C. Smith for the recommendation. Yeah, thank you, C. Smith. Yeah, there you go. So we get that out of the way. So let's start with what this is. Uh, the trailer is the story of a very preppy-looking C. Thomas Howell who wants to go to Harvard, and it looks like his rich, weird dad won't pay for it. Yeah, so it's just like, oh, you got into Harvard, but we think it would be good character building for you to pay for it instead of us. I'm like, okay, uh, no. Yeah, that's one of those things where, that's like a movie rich thing where, like, oh, we're not even paying for it. You are. No, you have the advantages. The only reason he got into Harvard is probably because of you guys. Oh, yeah. The reason he's in Harvard is probably because his dad went to Harvard yeah. and is an alum and has a shitload of money that he has donated to them. Yeah. So I, I, I guess his dad just went crazy briefly or something. I'm not sure what's going on there. Also, I, you know what I didn't hear anyone mention at all during this trailer once? Mm -hmm. Was student loans? Yeah. No, he's like, oh, have you ever applied for a loan before? And then he just went to the bank. But apparently no one will give you a loan to be a student. Oh, my if God. If you're wealthy and white. Did you see the back the backyard he was in when he was asking his dad for money? It's one of those fucking Hollywood super mansions. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's ridiculous. It looks like the White House backyard. And again, there's no way that if you went, Hey, Dad, I know you wanted me to pay for this because for some reason into your dumb idiot brain, you got it, the idea that I should be paying for it. But I tried, and not only could I not get a regular loan, I couldn't get a student loan, I couldn't get anything, I'm actually not going to Harvard. He'd be like, oh, I guess I'll pay for it. Then. I guess I have to, because I can't have you going to some other school, because then I wouldn't have anything to talk to with the boys at the club. Oh, yeah. No, at that point, if his son just came up and was like, Oh, hey, uh, I guess I'm living at home with you forever now. Hey, where are the yacht keys? He'd just be like, oh, no, never mind. You're going to, you're going to college. That's yeah, cool. We need to do that. Or I'm going to get you a job. A, you're going to work at my dealership. The equivalent of the dealership. Like this guy owns a dealership. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that guy's not like a hedge fund manager or something. Ugh. Anyway, uh, he settles on the horrible idea of applying for a black scholarship. Yeah. So he then puts on. Terrible blackface. Who's he fooling with that, by the way? He looks ridiculous. No, he just looks like a white guy in blackface. Like, yeah. that's what he looks like. It's not even close. No, this isn't even white chicks it's, level. It's, it's weird because with the, with the uh, blackface off, he just looks like C. Thomas Howell, known 80s actor. With the blackface on, he looks like James Franco in blackface. <laughs> ah, yes. I remember when James Franco was in that great movie, Blackface. <laughs> I mean, I I know I've never seen James Franco in blackface, but blackface makes C. Thomas Howell look more like James Franco. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> we get a bunch of things in the trailer where hijinks ensue from him pretending to be black, and... Yeah. Oh, all right. Of course, he falls in love with a black girl. Obviously. And yeah. And fucking James Earl Jones, poor James Earl Jones, got dragged into this movie. Oh my gosh, do you think he even knew... 
I I don't know. He had to have been like, oh well, I I think you're you're gonna do something about how like racism and inequality is bad, and we should do something about that, right? That's what this is about. Oh sure, yeah, sure thing, James. That, that's what it is, James. No problem. Yeah, totally, James. Just <laughs> just come with us into this room. How many terse conversations do you think he had while making this movie with his agent? <laughs> I'm gonna call him up, Howard. Howard, I'm not happy, Howard. <laughs> And he's like, Let's relax, James, relax. You're going to get a bunch of money, and then you just never have to talk about it oh, again. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I, I sprinkled too much of my Clint Howard business all over it. <laughs> because Clint Howard is apparently James Earl Jones' agent. Clint Howard, the agent to James Earl Jones and the stars. Who are not James Earl Jones, because <laughs> James Earl Jones is totally a star. Okay, okay so predictions for this. Uh, I'm going to say he gets the girl in the end, because of course he will. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that at no point is he going to have any serious repercussions from this. No, like, I mean, I know that there was some weird little there's a trial room, scene, yeah. but it's mostly just I think his friend defending him to like the dean. Yeah. So it's not like oh we're actually charging you with fraud. It's oh we are mad at you. I mean, clearly he should lose the scholarship. Am I? Am I, I mean, if. Nothing else, he should lose the scholarship and, again, just be charged with fraud. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definite. I mean, what were the actual repercussions for when this really happened a few years back? When uh, What's-Her-Face pretended to be black so she could, like, head up and Dolezal? end up... Dolezal. Dolezal. Rachel yeah. Dolezal. So this is basically just a prophetic Rachel Dolezal story. <laughs> uh, except, you know, instead of trying to head up an organization to help people, he just wants free money. He just wants free money to go to, to, go to law school. The least sympathetic of professions. Like, how are you supposed to associate with this character? Yeah, it's, oh man, this rich white guy wants to go to a prestigious school to be a lawyer. Man, I identify with him. (laughs) God, what a terrible plan. (laughs) Of course he should dress up like a black person. It only makes sense because he deserves to go to Harvard. I mean, am I right? Come on. So, okay. My predictions, all right. Also, one more prediction for me. They will never mention the kid who didn't get the scholarship because this asshole took it. Oh, yeah, that's definitely something that will not happen. We'll never see a promising young black lawyer. Who's like, well, guess I gotta go to community college. Yeah, you'll never see that. I'm gonna guess a couple big dick jokes. Probably, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm also going to predict a scene where uh, C. Thomas Howell in blackface shrinks away from a fight. Before realizing that the other people are afraid of him because he's black. (laughs) Ah, excellent. So, those are my predictions. They're just more racism piled on top of what is already a huge racism salad. Sweet. I love it. Let's get those racist croutons on there. Let's do it. Alright, let's watch this movie. We will be right back with our horrible, horrible opinion on this. A dinosaur story. <laughs> that was um, that was a movie that we watched. That was really we didn't watch really? a dinosaur story. Yeah, the Don Bluth. That was great. To fat T Rex wobbling around during a Central Park parade. We did not watch that recently. Oh, no, that was that is definitely what we watched. We part are of the, not reviewing Soul Man. Part of the big trilogy of movies where he puts Tone Loke in them so he can have two lines, and Tone Loke pops up and goes, "Hey." I'm a deep voice triceratops. Oh yeah, and then that's he done with that. Yeah, 
No, we didn't watch that. We watched Soul Man. Why? Why did we watch Soul Man? Who? What? Why? Because C. Smith recommended it. C. Smith, you're the worst. I wonder if C. Smith has watched Soul Man. Okay, so here's the thing. When I was younger, I saw a snippet of this movie mm-hmm. on, like, TBS or TNT or one of those shit stations that will play whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and even back then, even as a younger man, I was like, ooh, ooh, this is, no, you don't want to do that. No, this is real bad. Oh, my, that is not okay. <laughs> ooh, this is deeply offensive to me, and this is still, like, the mid to early 90s. Let me tell you, it's hard to find this movie. No one wants to sell it on DVD. No, this is the Song of the South of the 80s. Yeah, you cannot find this movie. We found, like, an X-vid of it where it looks all shitty. We had to watch it on my computer because there's no way to get it onto my TV. Oh, yeah, it is just real bad and... I'm glad that it is this hard to find. Yeah. What's funny to me <laughs> is every time you find the trailer for it, like, because we had to watch the trailer in advance, the YouTube comments are all these people like, I remember this movie. It is the funniest. And I'm like, no, it isn't. There's, I mean, even if you're deeply racist and you're like, yeah, it's okay to dress in blackface, you'd still be like, this movie is boring. Oh, yeah. No, even if you were one of those people who's currently right now going, political correctness is out of control. Yeah. Like, even then, you still would have watched this movie in the 80s and gone, oh man, this is boring garbage. Yeah, because it's, it's got two crimes going against it. One, it's deeply racist. And two, it isn't funny. No. You're like, man, not even from a, oh, I sure do like racist humor. Like, it doesn't even have that. It just has interminably long montages because they paid for certain songs for this. Oh, yeah, they were going to use those and songs. And by God, they will use the entire song. And you'll understand what the scene is about in, like, 20 seconds. You're like, oh, I get the joke. And then it just goes on for, like, three minutes. Right. So, okay. Let's do the, sta- the stage setup for this thing. We open on the most horrible establishing shot of a room. <laughs> which is designed to tell you all about the main character. It uh, is an orgy of evidence that this person is... The worst. Yeah. You know, my girlfriend stopped in right around this point and was watching it with us, and she said, oh, this is before the shame-hate of rich people in the 80s. This is, like, right before when it was okay to just bag on rich people, when you could still make movies about them directly. And she is right. Yes. Because we start by looking, oh, expensive sheets, three different stereo systems. He um, has glasses of champagne that are just sitting around. He has a bucket of tennis balls. <laughs> He has a pink sweater draped artfully over a pair of Nike cross trainers. Ugh. It's just a room where you go, oh, wow, this guy is uh just a rich, yuppie douchebag. Two years after this movie, because this is in 1986, two years after this movie, this character could have only been the bad guy. Oh, yeah. If this had been made any later, he would have been the guy who shows up and, like, kicks dirt on the hero, and then they have to make a bake sale in order to oh, save yeah. the... He's like, ah, I'll close the local ski school. Oh, no, not our ski school. Yeah. Damn you, Brad. <laughs> I'm Bradley, and my sister-slash-girlfriend Muffy and I will close that school to put up an even bigger hot tub <laughs> full of bubbling chocolate champagne. Mm. Chocolate champagne. Why isn't that a thing? <laughs> Come on, guys. Where's our bubbly chocolate champagne? Someone get that shit together right away. <laughs> oh, man. I know someone's going to comment on this like, oh, you you guys are idiots. Bubbly champagne chocolate exists 
It's existed for 20 years. Where have you been? I was in a BevMo two weeks ago, working in a BevMo. <laughs> we had we had one bottle of chocolate wine, no chocolate champagne. No one's making that happen, and it's a shame. There's almond champagne. All you got to do, it's real simple, people. All you got to do is take some champagne, put a little Hershey's in there, stir yeah. it up good. What I need you to do is get your bottle of champagne, pour it into a mason jar, drop some Hershey's Kisses in there, Close it for three weeks, shake it up, put it in the fridge, and then you're done. Wait. Wait a while. Wait for the magic to happen. (laughs) So anyway, main character, Rich Douche. That's what we establish. Uh, A blues song that there is literally no way he would ever listen to starts playing on his uh, stereo system, so he throws a tennis ball at it, which stops him. This has the 80s thing where... You can stop any alarm from going off if something hits whatever is going off. Yeah. It's like, oh, I threw a tennis ball and it hit the clock square in the face and that turned off the alarm. You're like, that would, that's not how alarms work. Yeah, it's, it's just a thing. That's a thing in the 80s movies where you can stop a machine by throwing a ball at it. Yeah. I had an alarm clock in the 80s. It wouldn't turn off when I needed it to turn <laughs> off. I could like get up and press the appropriate button. It was still like, meh, meh, meh. No, get fucked. You didn't hit me with a tennis ball. Get out. (laughs) There's only one way to start and stop things. This is the 80s. (laughs) If it's a jukebox, you can start it by slapping it. Yeah. Turn it off by throwing a tennis ball at it. Those are your options. Yeah. Those are the same rules for me, by the way. If you want to turn me on, you got to slap me. But if you want to turn me off, throw a ball at me. (laughs) Here, John, let's play sports ball. (laughs) Oh. Oh, my boner. Oh. <laughs> I was bonered up until you suggested a game of sports ball. I was all bonered up and ready to go. All bonered up with no place to go. <laughs> anyway, it, we of course get the reveal that he has a girl in his bed that he, he does not remember having had in his bed. And because he's so cool. We get one of the most and only sexually charged scenes in this movie where his best friend runs into the room, jumps on top of him while he's basically naked in bed. Oh, yeah, straddles him. Yeah, just straddles him in bed and is like, we got our letters from Harvard. Yeah, and then they take time hemming and hawing over how to open them. And the Oh, girl- you open it first, no you. Oh, we'll open them together. Look, you're my best friend and... I love you. And I'm like, man, I kept you waiting, guys just fuck already? I kept waiting for the naked girl in the bed to say that. You know, be like, <laughs> like oh, man, I should give you two a room. <laughs> I don't want to be part of someone's beard scenario. You guys you guys should work this out. Because really, you're cute together. You guys are adorable. Oh, you're going to be such a great 80s power couple when you become <laughs> annoying corporate lawyers. Anyway, they open, oh, gosh, we both got into Harvard. Let's go to a big party. Okay, so we go to a big party, and uh, fake Ed Bagley Jr. is there. There's a dude who does not look like Ed Bagley Jr. until he bends his head down, and then he turns into Ed Bagley Jr. Yeah, he turns down for Bagley. Yeah, which, (laughs) turned down for Bagley. No, because it's the start of my brand new screenplay I've come up with called Dr. Jekyll and Ed Bagley Jr. (laughs) Yeah, where a man is, by day, Dr. Jekyll, and by night, Ed Bagley Jr. (laughs) It's a horrible night to have a curse. And an electric car. Uh, All right. So, so yeah. yeah. The the party, we have uh, the establishment of a guy who works for a tanning company, which is only important that he is in one scene so that we can establish later on that uh, our, our main character will not be in blackface. But just taking pills that make him blackface. Yeah, he gets black pills. 
So he's taking pills that make him tan, but he's taking too many, and so they make him black instead. There's no mention made of how his hair turns into black jerry curl wig weave. Yeah. That's not, that's not important. Don't worry about that. No. Uh, so, the we party, also we also the... get what you'd think would be actual antagonists, which is Julia Louise Dreyfus and a schlub that she is with. Yeah, these two guys, and the, the, her, her boyfriend did not get into Harvard. He got into BU. Oh, no. Which, what is that, brown? No, I think it's Cadface. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you got that. Oh, it's Buckley. Uh. <laughs> it's Boston University, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, he got into BU instead of, instead of, uh, Harvard. But don't worry, he'll try his best to get into Harvard anyway. Great. And this then, does not matter at all. Well, it, it gives an us entire a, plot line that does nothing and goes nowhere. Well, it gives us another chance for for our main character Mark Watson to uh say something douchey instead of being, you know, ingratiating himself with the audience. Cuz the guy comes in and he's like, "Oh, I just got into Bra- into uh BU. I I I uh, hope you guys have a great time at Harvard." Oh, well, that's very nice. When you get out of my you have your girl call my girl. <laughs> He's like, oh my god, that's what you sound like. How am Ugh. I supposed to like this guy? He's the main character. It's like, it's like if you made a Batman movie, but you never let him not just be uh, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> just made a Bruce Wayne movie, and by the end, you're like, I fucking hate him. He's <laughs> just a rich, lazy shit. It's like if you made a Batman movie, but most of the time he was Bruce Wayne, and then the rest of it he was in blackface. <laughs> <laughs> oh, black Batman! <laughs> I'm taking suntan pills, Alfred. Uh, taking way too many of them. So, so yeah, there have been other movies where we're supposed to get a redemption arc for the main character. We're supposed to start out and be like, oh, I don't really like this guy, but that's the point, is that he then learns a lesson. You know, you can have your Scrooges and so on, where they start out as unlikable, and then they learn a valuable lesson, and then they're fine. Yeah, but you can tell from the contents of this film, like, just from the beginning, that that's not going to happen. That at the end, he's just going to be a smug, entitled, rich douche who learned a minor lesson. <laughs> So, the whole party goes off, and then he finds out from his dad the most improbable thing, which we mentioned at the beginning, which is that his rich father is not going to help him at all with his college. Yeah, and the reason for this is real weird. Because his therapist told him that he shouldn't be giving anything to his kid because his therapist has some weird issue with his son. Yeah. His therapist is, by the way, played by Alf's dad, or the dad from Alf. Yeah, the the dad from Alf, he's been in things. I don't know what his name is, but he's the dad from Alf. He's interested in things. He's not a real dad, but he is a a real real Alf. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so basically, the dad pops up and is like, Look, I've given you a wonderful life, haven't I, Mark? I've given you fancy cars and a beautiful house. And yes, he is in an amazing house. And, uh, you know, I've given you anything you could want, but now I'm going to give you the gift of manhood. And instead of pulling out his dick at that point, which is what I thought was going to happen, I've, I've given give you the you gift the... of my manhood. Oh, yes. Mm. 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 Let me spread it out here like a real terrible grinder photo. <laughs> uh, I want you to see the top and bottom of the dick. <laughs> no, but that's not what happens. What happens instead is he's... On one of those inversion tables that rich people convince themselves are exercise. I thought that was actually pretty good prop usage. Uh, and he's saying, I'm going to give you the gift of manhood. You'll pay your own way through college and I won't help. I used your money to buy a condo in Barbados. Great. All right. Uh, so, 
which leads us to uh, the scenes that we mentioned where he goes and tries to get money and cannot. Which, okay, when he calls up to get the uh, financial aid, and they're like, oh yeah, we have financial aid, but you have to be poor. We can't give you financial aid if your parents are just assholes and rich. I go, yeah, that's true. Because they would look at what your parents make, and if they make a shit ton of money, they'd go, no, we're not going to give you anything. That much, at least, is true. However, a little bit. I mean, he could always just emancipate himself from his parents as soon as this happens, which he should do. Because realistically, his dad's being an amazing douche. The kid had the expectation of this money all this time. If his dad had, three years ago, said, hey, we're not paying for you to go to law school, then he would have had a chance to build a savings, develop a plan. Instead, he's told the week before. Oh, yeah, well, it wasn't even like... Oh yeah, we're uh, we're just not going to pay for it because we don't want to pay for it. It's we had a college fund for you, and we used that money for a timeshare. Right. So what he really should be doing here is is emancipating himself entirely from his parents so he can get at that financial aid. But for whatever reason, he doesn't do that. No. Well, because he's going to assume that I don't know they'll let him have money later. Yeah, I they'll, they'll come to their senses. So. But then the uh, the bank thing is hilarious in that they go, oh, look, uh, it appears that you are a young man that's irresponsible with money and has rich parents. Yeah, you've missed, like, three payments on things in your life, and your parents are crazy rich, and so are you. But that means we can't give you a loan. We, we don't care if people are rich. We want them to make payments. I'm like, oh no, you fucking care if people are rich. No, you're happy if they're if they're rich and don't make payments because then their payments keep getting bigger until you take legal action and make huge money off them. You want this guy to get a huge loan from you. Oh yeah, this is your goddamn whale. Oh yeah. This is who you want. Yeah, I mean that should have been like, there should have been a scene in this of like the fat manager of the bank in the background just jumping up and down in glee and pointing through a window at him. Eee, we got one! We got, a, we got a rich kid! And then, you know, he gets turned away and then walks out, and then the manager comes out and goes, What the fuck is wrong with you? You chase after that young man. Go get him. Come back with my money. <laughs> and then, of course, he gives us one of those 80s jowly, or your... <laughs> so, yeah. No, it, anyway, he doesn't get the money. The only way he can ever find is he goes through all the book of scholarships, and, of course, the one that's going to cover everything is the one for a black student from L.A. Right. Oh, he also goes to plead with his father's therapist. Yeah, which is how we find out that his father's therapist has some weird issue with his own kid. Yeah, he's mad at his own kid for wanting free shit, and he's giving us this speech about how he works so hard to provide for his kid, he works himself to the bone every day, and the whole time I'm thinking, you're a Hollywood power therapist. I mean, you're... You're you're in a room full of ridiculous expensive knickknacks wearing a tracksuit. He's in a tracksuit! No one works hard in a (laughs) tracksuit. The only people who wear tracksuits are people who are about to work hard because they are going to do track, or people in the mafia. (laughs) It's true. Hey, those guys work hard. (laughs) Yeah, but not ethically or anything like that. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. There's a lot of money to be made yeah. in those mines. I mean, there's there's only one other potential career. It's not therapists. Therapists don't wear tracksuits. It's people who are going to do some track, mafia guys, or people who are about to do some porn. <laughs> For the mafia. For the mafia. Yeah, mafia porn. <laughs> yeah, that mafia porn, and then you run track. Yeah. <laughs> I do all three. <laughs> that's, uh, that's why I recommend my line of tracksuits. <laughs> They slip on and off quite easily, and there's room for several guns. <laughs> and you dick. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, anyway, no one will give him money, so he settles on this scholarship. And again, loans have turned him down improbably. Financial aid has turned him down a little more probably. But he doesn't at any point go, well, I could get this lesser scholarship and a job. 
No. He never considers working at any point, and, again, never looks at student loans. Or even just shitty shyster loans. Like, he never gets some fucking Fannie Mae shit going on. Oh, yeah, he doesn't even talk. The, the words student loan are not mentioned in this film. Yeah, it's just financial aid or bank loan. That's it. Yeah. There's never a mention of student loan, which, honestly, I feel like every single person in the building he's with probably has a student loan. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's Harvard, so maybe about 50% of them are just rich idiots. Yeah. Whatever. But, but, um... Okay, so... Moving on. Uh, so he does... We get sort of a smash cut to blackface, though. Oh, yeah. Because he get... There's a party where the, uh, earlier douche going to BU is like, Heard you aren't getting in, a hurdy dirty dur. Oh, yeah, they're in one of those bars that you only see in 80s movies about rich people. Yeah, those, like, weirdly neon bars that only serve, like... It's like a country club and a golf club. Like, everyone's dressed like they're about to get on a yacht. Yeah. It's that kind of shit. And then the guy, the, the rich guy who's going to BU comes up from behind them and he's like, I heard you don't have the money to attend Harvard. Whiskey sour, please. Yeah, so we get that scene, and because he wants to, I guess, show up a guy he's met once, he then decides blackface is the way to go. Yeah, so we, we smash cut to him in blackface accepting the scholarship. Yeah. And let's go ahead and di- dissect his blackface situation. Can, can we... <laughs> Okay, it so... It is the worst blackface ever. It's terrible. It's god-awful. I mean, not only is it just, like, randomly different shades, because when they need to do a far-away shot, or if it's dark out, they darken his blackface makeup up. Oh, yeah, so you can tell. Because if you do a long shot with his usual slightly heavy tan, like a George Hamilton tan, then he won't look black. No, so they had to blacken it up more... But then it actually just looks like he straight took shoe polish to his face. Yeah. But normally, when it's in the close-up shots, he just looks like a tanner version of a white person. I don't understand how he's fooling anyone. Also, not evenly applied. No. Which is hilarious, because it's supposed to be these pills that are just making him black. But you're like, oh, look, yeah, there's a big splotch along your neck where they didn't quite get everything. And uh, along your lips where it just doesn't stay in in place, because, like... Right below the lips, you can see yeah. it wear off. And you can tell they put lipstick on him when he's in blackface, too, to give him black, you know, stereotypical black lips. Yeah, he's got the big red lips. Yeah, they had to do that, which means that someone invented suntan pills that give you big red lips. <sighs> yep, we're calling it the Al Jolson brand suntan <laughs> pills. I'm just picturing Al Jolson with, like, a dog pulling his bathing suit down. <laughs> <laughs> Hey! Oh, mammy! <laughs> terrible. That is deeply offensive. I feel bad. <laughs> anyway, he manages to fool his best friend immediately. Yeah. So his best friend doesn't recognize him until he's like, Hey, Gordo! Gordo! Oh my god, his friend's name is Gordon. Yeah. And it's amazing. Oh, it, it, they go to Harvard. Sure enough, they get a building where a racist superintendent for the building does not want him to move in because he's a... And putting quotes on this one, Black Negro. <laughs> yep. So that's the uh, the guy who runs the building, and then the guy who owns it is Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, we didn't know he was going to be in this. Not in the trailer at all. Yeah, you didn't get a lot of the major people who are bigger actors now are not mentioned in the trailer in the slightest. You got a Leslie Nielsen in here. You got a Julia Louis Dreyfus in this thing. You got Melora Hardin uh, in a throwaway role. Uh, Melora Hardin, you probably don't even know. She was Jan on The Office. There you go. So there you go. Put that out there. So. So Leslie Nielsen also Leslie Nielsen. doesn't like black people. No, he 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 isn't. He's also racist. he's in this movie. 
Yeah, Leslie Nielsen is <laughs> in this movie. Does not care for black people. He he has a daughter played by Melora Hardin, who of course has a big like uh, a, appreciation for black people. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm writing my paper on the civil rights movement, and I don't see black or white. It's all shades of gray, and I just want to get with black guys. I don't see black people. I just want to fuck them. <laughs> oh God. I, I, that's also kind of a, a fun 80s... Like, of all the characters in the movie, her horrible ram- racist shit that she's doing is probably the most on point. Probably. Yeah. So, anyway. We we also get... Uh, our character shows up to Harvard. He's picking his classes. They were going to take easy bullshit corporate law, but then he sees that the guy teaching criminal law is James Earl Jones. And he's like, oh, that guy's black. I'm pretending to be black. I'll take that class. That's terrible. It's James Earl Jones. He's a horrifying man. I mean, I'm not saying he's terrifying looking. I just mean he looks like he could mess you up if he needed to. Oh, yeah. Especially back in, like, 86, James Earl Jones looked like he could fuck your shit directly up. James Earl Jones has, like, weaponized gravitas. He would just growl at you, and you would die. You'd be like, oh, no. So you'd just show up and be like, I'm really disappointed in you. And you'd be like, well, I'm dead. I'm going to die now. <laughs> Speaking of being about to die, there is a scene in this movie where uh, see, our main character stands in front of a noose and describes the cost of going to Harvard. Oh, yeah. That is some 80s stuff right there. Because he's like, the total cost of going to Harvard is going to be, for a three-year law school appointment, $50,000. Oh, no, $50,000. <laughs> That's like a third of what it costs to go to Harvard for a year. Yeah, no, that's like a Harvard semester now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But anyway, that's just some 80s stuff. They probably should have had that scene. They should have just had him say, it's going to cost so much so that future generations could... Just so we could all appreciate yeah, this blackface movie. Yeah, this this horrible blackface movie from the 80s wouldn't have the stink of the 80s all over it if they just hadn't brought up the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't for that scene, it would have been perfect. Oh, it would have flowed. It would have been this classy for the ages. Perfect. God. Anyway, uh, turns out James Earl Jones, real hard ass. Well, yeah. So he shows up in his class and he's like, anyone who's expecting to not work hard is going to be surprised. Everyone here needs to work hard and I want no excuses and I don't give a shit what's going on. Yeah, which to me is like, that's that's uh, our main character, Mark's cue to quit this class and switch. Oh, yeah. No, he stands up at that point and goes, sorry, I, di- I didn't realize. Sorry. Okay, I'll uh, be going now. Good day. Were you going to be extra nice to guys who don't look black but appear to be dressed in blackface during your class? No. Oh, okay, well, goodbye. I'm going back to corporate law where I should have been. Yes, please get out of my classroom and wash off that black face when you go. Oh, that was our joke in this movie, is that any time a black person talks to him, that instead of being either deeply offended, which they occasionally are, or fooled by it, which they often are, they instead are simply exhorting him to not be in blackface anymore. It's just just very patiently sad and disappointed. They're like, hey, if you could just... Go into the bathroom and wash that off. That's deeply offensive. Because he's got a love interest in this movie, which, again, is a horrible thing. Because he spots her from across a crowd of preppity-ass white people with sweaters <laughs> tied around their necks. And he's like, the only black woman at Harvard. I could get that because I'm black. And that way, I've got something in common with her. She'll be easy to hit on. And so he goes over to hit on our our uh, our lead female role, uh, Ray Don Chong. Yep. Famous for playing black people when needed. Famous for being Tim Meadows. <laughs> kind of looks like a little Tim Meadowsy. I that might be kind of racist. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
She got that Tim Meadows face. She kind of. I'm not. I don't want to get it because it's kind of. <laughs> that could maybe be a little. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh. So she go. Basically, he he hits on her. She invites him to join some black uh, Harvard law student union. Law student union. Oh, and by the way, there's a sequence where one of John's predictions what was that. Uh, the other only other black person in LA to go to Harvard that will we will never see them they'll never show up there'll be no repercussions for him taking the scholarship. We see a lot of black people at Harvard actually. They all appear to be able to go to Harvard except for these two main characters. The other ones are like, "Oh yeah, I'm a Harvard law student. I got this shit control under control. I figured it out." Yeah. But <laughs> they do actually at least in the beginning mention it. They're like, "Oh yeah, no, there were only four people who could have uh qualif- who were going to Harvard from LA." And of those, only one person was black, but he was going to go to Stanford instead. Also, only four people from L.A. going to Harvard? My ass. Yeah. No, that's fucking bullshit. It's the mid-80s. Everyone who is rich lives in L.A. All of their shit-faced kids are going to fucking Harvard. Truth. Uh, yeah, whatever. All right, so at this point, we we set into, settle into a routine of, of James Earl Jones being mean to him and uh, a lot of people running into him and him trying to do black stuff. In a comically stupid way. Yeah. And then we... <laughs> we get a slow realization that, uh... Like, things aren't great. Oh, good. Well, just, there's a couple of points that are worth hitting here. One of them is that he goes off to play college basketball. Yeah, he goes to play basketball. Now, it's important to note that there's no reason for him to have done this. He... Has never played basketball before, really. Yeah. Even says that when pe- they are fighting over who gets to have him on his team. Which, because and it's amazing because this is one of the more racist sequences in the film because he introduces himself as Mark Watson and they're like, ah, yeah, Marcus Washington. Got it. Marcus Washington. And you're like, okay, you're making fun of racist people. And then they fight over who gets to have him on his team. They're like, oh, okay, these, these racist white people are like, the black guy knows how to play basketball. Except there's one other black guy playing... <laughs> And he is amazing at basketball. Right, which, again, sets up the thing that this movie thinks that real black people are all amazing at basketball. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, no, if you're a black guy, you're great at basketball. As evidenced here, where the fake black guy is bad at basketball, but the real black guy is great at it. Also, it should be noted that basically every black person in this movie is some weird stereotype. So you've got... The guy who's super great at basketball. Mm-hmm. Our love interest, who happens to be a single mother. Yeah. And she's going to Harvard, but she's a single mother. <laughs> and then James Earl Jones, who's like, oh, I'm the business professional black man. I had to work twice as hard as anyone to be here, and I expect it out of you. Yeah. That's, that's his it. role. That's, and that's it. That's the only people we meet that have, like, more than any, one line. Or any screen time at all. Yeah, because we also meet uh, Ray Don Chong's grandparents and uh, her young her young son. Yeah, who, it wasn't really clear that it was her kid until that scene, because no, we had met him before, and it was like, are you, like, her little brother, or, because if you're just going to college, this kid's, like, six. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is law school, so she's probably had at least four years of uh, other school beforehand. Anyway, this is really important to note, She, when we meet them, she's going to school by paying her way through Harvard. She works at, like, a cafeteria, and she's busy as shit. Yeah, it's like, oh, I got some financial aid, and I'm working. Yeah, which really just makes our main character look even more like a big piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, he cannot do anything for himself. No, he refuses to. There's no point in which he's like, I should probably get a job. Yeah, there's no point where he's like, man, you know what I need to do is take care of myself, like an actual goddamned adult. No. 
I'll just paint my skin black. That'll fix it. Yes, that is, of course, the answer. The answer to my problems was to put on blackface and then take someone's scholarship money. Yeah. We also, let's see, what are some other scenes here? We have a recurring sequence of two idiots who show up in the background of scenes where Mark Watson is present, and they tell horrible racist jokes. And I don't mean horrible as in they are horribly racist. I mean horrible as in they are just not very good jokes. Yeah, so it's a bunch of like, oh, well, a black guy and a white guy are doing whatever, and things happen. And, what do you, what uh, do you call a white guy in a room full of black guys? Yeah, it's... So, when you first get it, it's at the party where he meets love interest, and you go, oh, okay, they don't see him there, and they're telling a racist joke, and that's supposed to be one of those things where you're like, oh, look, people are racist. Okay, great. Except this happens, like, five more times during the film, which at this point, I have to imagine they're actually just telling these jokes when he's around to be purposefully racist towards him. Oh, yeah. I really wanted a scene where he was standing outside of their dorm room in the rain shouting cowards at them. <laughs> <laughs> and inside they're all out there going, oh, how do you stop a black boy from jumping on your bed? It's just, just, to, just to keep doing it. Uh, it's thing is, I I have to imagine that Either they're doing it on purpose, like, anytime they see him in a crowd, they're like, oh, hold on, we gotta go over there and start telling some black jokes. Or, they do this non-stop, and his friend, because there's one guy telling the jokes, and the friend who is laughing before the punchline. Oh, yeah, his friend is just constantly laughing. He's the perfect person to tell jokes to, if you don't mind your joke being stepped on by them laughing at the setup. You'd be like, knock, knock, and he's like, <laughs> knock, knock, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great, yeah. yeah, keep going. He wouldn't say who's there at any point. No. He'd just laugh. It's terrible. Yeah. So, both of them, just horrible. Just terrible in every way. Yeah. We also get uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her, her boyfriend from Boston University kind of snooping around. Which, okay. So, while the boyfriend was almost the cause of him doing the blackface. He's kind of set up as a potential villain a little bit. You get the impression, because in the scene where they're all hanging out at the rich guy country club bar, they're all dressed like rich idiots. I mean, you've got uh, the best the best friend character, Gordo, who consistently dresses in an, an unbuttoned to the naval Hawaiian shirt with a, with a blazer over it. He looks like business Wembley Fraggle. Ah, <laughs> uh, business Fraggle. Business Fraggle. But Wembley specifically, because of the shirt. But then this guy shows up behind them in the ultimate expression of I'm too rich for this world, a pink sweater. <laughs> which yeah. which tells me that they're like, okay, we know this is during the shame on the rich era of 80s filmmaking, but we tried to slip this one in under the radar by adding an extra bad guy who's even richer. <laughs> it's just, oh, well, this guy is rich, but he's a douche in addition to it. Because we don't assume yeah. that our other characters are bad guys. I'm so rich, I can play tennis with over one billion mega muffies. <laughs> so, they show up, like I said, a couple times throughout the film, but it never matters. It doesn't do anything. No, it just sets up some of the worst racist comedy in the world. So, like, they show up, and Mark, in order to pretend to not be him... So he's in blackface, he puts on sunglasses, and then starts doing that, like, Ray Charles moving yeah. the head like he's blind thing. Yeah, doing the Stevie Wonder, kind of moving my head back and forth like I'm swaying with the rhythm move. And pretends to not hear them, which causes Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, bless her amazing comedy soul, to be forced to ask, Oh, 
Is he blind? Yes. Yeah, he's blind, which is why he can't hear you. <sighs> yeah. Which, I mean, you can't blame her. He's doing the... He's doing I'm, Ray Charles. Yeah, I'm trying to do the impression of the, like, blind black uh, pianist. So, here we go. I'm going to sway and do, do that. Big smile. Big smile big and smile. Sway. And the worst part of it is, you're like, okay, this is awful. And then they go, oh, is he blind? And his friend goes, no, he's not. He's just an idiot. No, she's, he says he's dumb. Using the old term for mute. And then... He doesn't stop swaying, though. No, he never stops swaying, and they uh, they talk to him very loudly, and then the story they make up for him is that he's from Canada, and he was a Mountie, and, and he's, he's looking for work here, and that they have to go because he has an interview with some local horses. That's the that's the excuse they give. <laughs> that's the joke. That's the joke that we are... Re- that, that's comedy, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this movie is... It's like it loops back around on itself. It's so boring and bad that when it gets to the real awful points, I can't help but laugh not at the actual jokes, but at the fact that this is what they're trying to pass off well, as jokes. The real professionals had to say these things. The Julia Louis-Dreyfus had to go along with this for, for a routine. Oh, yeah. They dragged actual actors into this movie, and yeah. I'm sad. Yeah. I mean, I feel like she could have just improv her way out of that into something better. I mean, granted, the problem is any improv in the movie would just be our thing, where she'd be like, oh, that's very interesting. He's from Ca- he's from Canada. Is he from the part of Canada where blackface is common? <laughs> oh, Canada, that makes sense. I guess they don't think that blackface is horribly racist there. That's interesting. I guess no one's been able to tell him yet, because he's deaf and blind, that he's very offensively dressed. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so, yeah, we get that scene... <laughs> well, the setup, the, the reason that that scene's important is because, it, although it doesn't pan out in the film, is that her boyfriend says, well, I'm next on the waiting list. If anyone at this school drops out or is kicked out, then I'll be the next in Harvard. Great. Great, thanks. Set that up. That, that will not pay off. Don't it, worry. It Spoiler alert. It does not matter. It does not matter. But they'll show up a few more times throughout the movie, discovering things and putting them on a trail. Yeah, which would matter if they were in any way the antagonists of this movie. Like, if, say, the uh, the boyfriend was constantly trying to figure out what was going on with this new guy, and, oh, maybe I can get him expelled or whatever, and there was actually an antagonistic relationship there in the movie, yeah, it might matter. But it doesn't. It's just like, hey, this guy's here. Now he's not. Moving on. Yeah. Like, okay, great. All right, sure. We also established that the class that... Uh What's-his-name is teaching, James Earl Jones is teaching, is very, very difficult. Also, as far, as far as I can tell, it's the only class he's taking. Yeah, it... I, do, I, I don't know. I've never gone to Harvard. Maybe you take one class. Yeah. And that's it. You that's just your take, whole thing. You just take one class and you're done. But as far as we can tell throughout the course of this film, he's only taking the one class. Whenever he's studying, he's studying for that one class. Yeah, which... I mean, maybe the rest of his shit is just electives. He's like, oh yeah, I took criminal law, and then P.E., and the introduction to the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, all those like elective classes that they only offer at like liberal arts colleges on the, on the West Coast. But in the 80s, Harvard had them. 
Oh, oh yeah. Introduction to the Exorcycle. Cycle. I'll totally take that. <laughs> the history and development of Jazzercise. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I'm going to take this into a secondary course where I learn all about those leg warmer bands. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's what the rest of his courses are. It's the 80s. Take a college class on boat next wetters. <laughs> so we get a weird turnaround in this as well because... The, uh, the love interest is shown to be, like, getting A's on her papers and knows what she's talking about. There's a scene where he tries to, like, call on people to give him some precedent. And no one knows it except for her. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, does anyone agree with her? Well, too bad. She's right. You're all dumb. I hate you all. Every last one of you. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Oh, wait, no, that'd be Jeremy Irons. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, I'd be the kid. For, yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas singing the I Can't Wait to Be King line. I'm just missing out who James Earl Jones was in the movie because he was Simba who was king. <laughs> no, because he was Mufasa. Mufasa who was, who was king. king. Simba God was waiting to be king. Damn. It's been a while. Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. <laughs> Get your shit together. <laughs> it's insane because it's one of my favorite movies. Ah, <laughs> oh, get it into a little pile. Take it to the shit store if you need to. <laughs> Get a briefcase. Put your shit in there. Just get your shit together. <laughs> I'm sorry. Watching this racist, racist movie has rattled my brain. Uh, all right, so we should probably get, to, I guess, to another plot point at some point. Well, we get all of the, like I was saying, we start getting the, uh, oh, it, it's hard to be black. Oh, yeah. It's, you know what the middle of this movie reminded me of is, have you ever seen that picture online of... Like, Jews being rounded up for the Holocaust, and someone stuck fucking Pinkie Pie from My Little Pony in there. Yeah. And then there's, like, a little quote underneath that's like, I would, wasn't even able to understand the suffering until I saw this picture with a My Little Pony in it. Oh, now I totally understand. Now that I see that Rainbow Dash is sad, I get that the Holocaust was bad. I'm like, man, if it took a sad pony for you to understand that the Holocaust was bad, you have some big issues. Right, that's what this movie was to me, because it was like, oh, look at him. He got arrested for, for no good reason by a, by an overzealous police officer. It's hard out there to be black. Now it's, I get it. Now I get it, because I saw it happen to a white guy. And the movie gets one, count it, one use of the N-word in this movie, and it is when he goes to jail... And a bunch of Boston-y, Irish guy type thrown in there for being drunk, probably? Well, they're all wearing the same outfit, which suggests that they're playing on some sort of local intramural baseball team. Well, yeah. They had apparently played some game, and it was like, oh, how are you guys doing? Oh, we lost our game. And then it was because of... These... This team of uh, other... N-words who were not... We don't like them. So we're gonna beat you up. And then... Nothing even though happens. you are very clearly a white guy in blackface. <laughs> even though you are very definitely white. You look like Jim Carrey in blackface is what you... We're going to beat you up for looking so much like Jim Carrey. We, we don't care that you look like you're in blackface. We just really don't like Jim Carrey. Yeah. I, I mean, I know earlier I said he looks like James Franco, but honestly, at any point, if you freeze frame a picture of him when he's white in this movie and look at his hair, that is the haircut that Jim Carrey had for the entire time he was famous. Yes. It's true. He... He watched this movie, went to his barber, and went, this. Yeah, and his barber was like, I got you, fam. And he gave him the Jim Carrey, and that Give was the end of that. Give me the Jim Carrey. <laughs> Give me that Jim Carrey. Uh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he gets beat up by some team, probably called, like, the Boston Mix or something like that, because it's just as racist. 
Oh, God. Okay. It is, it is so awful. So, we get that. We get uh, a few scenes of him just like, oh, people are suspicious of him, and oh, they they don't like him. Oh, an old lady moves to, moves away from him on an elevator. I didn't understand that black people had it bad until I saw it happen to C. Thomas Howell. Now I know. Great. Okay. Uh, oh, and then we get the scene where... Oh God! So he he sleeps with his the building owner's daughter, who again is played by Melora Hardin. Her name's Whitney in the movie. Her her role is the white woman with an intense fascination for black culture that primarily originates from her vagina. So so uh, she wants to sleep with him and and, and uh, tell we him got a, we got Jeff's prediction there. Yeah, the the, the dick joke prediction. That's the dick right, joke prediction. Yeah, I only had one of my two right. No one was afraid of him because he was black. No one was like, no, don't hit me. That never happened. But instead, we did get the the joke from her about dick size when she's going on and on it's about like, oh, those stereotypes, those aren't true at all. Especially the one about penis size. What a nice thing to say immediately after having sex with someone. Like, you are currently naked, lying next to someone. And you're like, oh man, your dick wasn't very big at all. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Who says that? It's such a weird. I mean, I'm not saying it's a rude thing to say. I'm just saying it's an unlikely thing. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> what I'm saying is. No one says that. Yeah. That's not a thing that happens unless you are really, really, really socially awkward. It was for screen economy, because well, otherwise the only way they could have gotten that joke in was to cut to her talking to her girlfriends on the phone or something and being like, the penis size wasn't exactly what I expected at all. Yeah. And anyway, uh, so he has to go to dinner with her family, which leads to one of the most stereotypical, most offensive so apparently, uh, owning this building in in Boston is enough for this guy to be like multimillionaire. Make my kid dress up like an attendant at a golf club for dinner. That kid is wearing a smoking jacket. Yeah, and he has a butler that is black. Oh, just staring him down, giving him the Diango Unchained look. Well, the big thing is, I just imagine the butler's looking at him, going like, "What the fuck are you doing in blackface, son? You need to go wash that blackface <laughs> off. What are you doing here, son?" <laughs> Do you need help? <laughs> are you are you confused? Did someone let you out of a facility? <laughs> so, because again, every every black person in this movie can clearly see right through it and just wants him to do better. I'm just disappointed. They're just disappointed in him. And, but anyway, we get to watch all of this random waspy family's reactions to him by their envisioning him as different types of black stereotypes. Yeah. So oh. the mother is like, "Oh, he's gonna be that." Black guy that's from the jungle and just wants white women. Yeah. And then the son imagines him as Prince. Yeah. And, and when I say imagine, when we, we say imagine, I mean, it cuts to him in that costume saying stuff. Oh, yeah. So it's like, oh, it's him in like full like, tribal wear, wear with, with a, a knife helmet in his mouth going, oh, I've dreamt about white women and I'm finally going to have one. And then yeah. Bodice rips her. Yeah. And then the kid just sees him do a Prince guitar riff. Which, super... Super homoerotic at that point. Yeah. Like, the young son is just like, oh, yeah, I'm imagining this guy is like Prince just grinding up in my face. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, all right. Okay. All right. And then we cut to the dad, Leslie Nielsen, who envisions him as a pimp, and his daughter is having a full-on body pillow stuffed up her garment because that does not look like a pregnancy pillow. No, that that is a actual pillow that yeah. someone has just put flat onto her. Yeah. She was like, oh, you just expanded the shirt out evenly. Yeah, it doesn't even look right. It covered up her boobs entirely. She's just wearing a giant rectangle that goes all the way to her neck. That's how you get pregnant, right? Yeah. But then Leslie Nielsen imagines him as a pimp eating watermelon and selling drugs. Yes. Great. Yeah, that's that. So we get all of that. 
in this throwaway scene because none of these characters ever show up again. Yeah. Well, the, the da- daughter does. Yeah, the da- and so does the, the dad to, to uh... Because yeah. what we need is one last scene of a confluence of dumb shit. Yes, oh my god. So, okay, he gets arrested and goes to jail, and that means he can't write a paper, and that means James Earl Jones yells at him, and then he decides he needs to study extra hard, so we get a montage sequence where he falls in love with Radon Chan, because that's what studying extra hard is. Yeah, you, you study you... real hard, and then you realize that we have so much in common, which... Okay, well, you're both fucking Harvard Law students, so probably. Yeah, but it's just that thing where it's like, we have to study extra hard if we're ever going to get A's. Oops, I got whipped cream on your nose. Oh, we're hiding coffee from the attendant. Like, oh, maybe you should study instead. Oh, you've got the ends of my scarf. Uh, yeah, which... The one thing this movie does is makes James Earl Jones's character out to be... The nicest, best person. Yes. Like, that's the only thing they did really well to make someone not look like a total chode. Yeah. Is well, James Earl Jones comes out of this where he's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm a very hard, demanding teacher, but when I hear that one of my students was having a difficult time, I was tough, but fair, and was like, oh yeah, if you get thrown in jail, I'll come give you books, you can study, I need you to work hard. Oh yeah, that speech was amazing. It was like the best part of the movie. It was just him saying, like, look, I told you, no excuses, and I meant no excuses. If you think that because you're black, I'm going to be extra nice to you, you're wrong. You need to work twice as hard as all these little white shits that are in my class. He actually says little white shits yeah. that are in my class because I had to work twice as hard, and I will tell you, I still do. Yeah, and I'm like, great, James, you did a good job in this movie. Yeah. Everyone else, go fuck yourself. James, good job. Yeah. God, so... Anyway, the two of them fall into a deep, friendly, immediate relationship. She introduces him to her grandparents, and then we get one of those 80s comedy of error sequences where... Oh, well, I was from San Diego. Oh, I was from L.A. Oh, you're the one who got the scholarship I was gonna get. What? And John's prediction comes true. We meet the... Or, or, I'm sorry, your prediction was that we would never no, get No, that we would never. So I did not get that. It is that she actually was going to be the one that would get the scholarship. Yeah. Because there's like, oh, yeah, well, if someone from L.A. didn't get it, they'd open it up to the state, and then I would have gotten it. Oh, no, now I feel terrible. Yeah. I've learned a valuable lesson, because now I met the person that it would have gone to. If I had never met the person I had stolen this money from, I would have been fine Oh, no, that's not it. true. Eventually, someone would have showed him a picture of Rainbow Dash not getting a scholarship. <laughs> I never understood what stealing money from someone was like until I saw that Rainbow Dash didn't get a scholarship. <laughs> oh, the <sighs> internet. God damn you. God damn you all. The internet. The internet. The lot of you. Go outside. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. I don't go outside. That's that shit sucks. sucks. It's terrible <laughs> out there. Anyway, um... So, she finds, or he feels so guilty that he decides to go tell James Earl Jones what he's done wrong. But instead, James Earl Jones recruits him to be on, like, an inter-school disciplinary committee in one of those, like, you don't understand what I'm saying type jokes. Because he's like, son, there's this body at this school that gets people expelled and brings criminal charges against them. If if they've ever been, uh, someone who's done fraud, we'll find out and we're going to... Make them so that they go to jail or they're financially ruined for life. They'll be naked and covered in tar. Do you understand me? Do you get what I'm saying? What I'm saying is you should be on the committee. Yeah, it's one of those jokes. Uh, Anyway, he agrees to that, goes home, and 
uh, Ray Don Chong's character is supposed to come over and study with him, and here we go. Here comes some fucking Three's Company shit. Here's the confluence of every dumb bullshit thing in the movie, where when he gets home, the, uh, the, the daughter... Roommate. Yeah, the daughter of the uh, owner of the building is in his room, well... They say half-naked, but mostly she's just wearing, like, a shirt and panties. Yeah, so she's in his room waiting to have more more of her uh, favorite kind of sex with him. And, and uh, of course, Gordon is like, of course I put her in there because she's a hot woman. I would always want to put a hot woman in your room, and you should always want to put a hot woman in my room. Or I guess we could shower together. <laughs> or, I mean, if you just, you just want to finally get lost in each other's arms. And... Oh, yeah, I just want to bury myself into your chest hair and just, just get lost like I'm in the Black Forest of Germany. That's... <laughs> That's what I want to do. Also, uh, that makeup is deeply offensive. <laughs> also, if you could just please. Because I'm really not attracted to you when you're a black guy. I, I, I gotta come clean with it. I know it's racist. <laughs> but, but what you're doing is also super racist. So, and, and then, his parents show up. Oh no! Oh, what can I say to my parents? Well, I don't know. How about you tell them to go fuck themselves? They can leave. They're assholes. Yeah! I already said he's like, oh, I gotta let my parents in. It's super important. No, send them away. They didn't call in advance, which, who does that? He lives in Los Angeles. His parents flew from Boston to surprise him? To Boston, to surprise him. Who does this? No one. No one does this. This is that movie shit. This was something that happened in fucking uh, Christmas with the Cranks, too. Where yeah, no one gets on, like, an international flight without telling someone. Yeah, they're like, oh, it'll be fine. And, but his answer should have been, oh, remember how I spent my whole life with that college fund all set to get me through my, my advanced career? Yeah, and then you took it away at the last minute to buy yourself a house? Go fuck yourselves. Do not come in here. Yeah. I, I'm sure that there are lovely accommodations that you can find in Boston that aren't here, and you can use the money that you would have used to put me through college. You fucks. Yeah. Instead, he lets them in, but puts on a balaclava so that they can't see that he's black under it? Yeah, and then we get that dumb, like... You go stand in this room. You stand uh, in this room. I, I need to go in here. Oh, hold on. I need to go into there. Oh, did you hear a noise in there? Oh, that's just the leaky pipes. Let me go take care of that. And it's one of those things where it's super inconsistent. Because finally, Radon Chong shows up as well. He shoves his parents into the kitchen. He leaves uh, Whitney, I want to say her name is in the movie. The girl, the uh, the, the white girl, daughter Not of the enough. owner, uh, in his bedroom. And then he's talking to Radon Chong in the living room. And then she hears a brief noise coming from the kitchen. And she's like, what's in there? He's like, I don't know. I'll go check. And he goes in, forgets to put on his balaclava, so his parents are scared of the scary black guy that comes in, and he responds by just yelling at them. In, and yelling in, at them in the worst black stereotype, like, Oh, hey, Jack, Mama, I'll catch you on the flip side. And then hippity, he leaves. Hippity, how many flippity flu? He yells oh, as God. loud as he can, and then he comes back out, and Ray Don Chong is not like, Hey, remember how I heard a slight scuffle coming from in there? Well, I definitely heard you yelling really racist things in there. <laughs> Instead, she's like, What's going on? <laughs> uh, and uh, it's just a bunch no. of comedy of errors crap until everyone discovers everything. Yeah, and so finally, the end of the movie is he comes clean at the disciplinary hearing oh thing. Oh my god, the disciplinary hearing thing is the most racist part of this movie by a mile, and it's been racist all the way from the very beginning. So he gets... Gordon. Gordon to defend him, and Gordon is just the world's biggest shit heel, and he's running around... And basically doing a speech that's like, you can't blame him for his upbringing. He was brought up to not believe in working hard. And is it indeed his fault that he is rich? Except no. The whole point was he never mentioned that. The speech was about how, oh, well, the parenting was bad. And he never learned a good work ethic. 
and so on and so on, because everyone still thinks he's black. So he he's doing a speech of like, oh yeah, his upbringing and it it was poor and all that, <laughs> and you're supposed to be like, oh yeah, because you know black people all have the same terrible upbringing and yeah. don't believe in hard work, and then it's oh, he's white. My goodness, even white people can be lazy. Yeah, and then you get the final uh, cap on the stuff with Julia Louis Dreyfus and her boyfriend when her boyfriend shows up without Julia. And pops and in and goes, I have evidence that he's white! And he's just standing there white next to him. He's like, oh. The, oh. Okay, well, that's a wrap on my story then. Bye. Okay, well, that was me. I'm glad to be glad to have been involved. And <laughs> my last prediction, no repercussions, 100% true. Yeah, he has to, like, there's a scene of his repercussions. Because he has to go talk to, uh, to, God, J. Gerald Jones. And James Earl Jones is like, well, what are you going to do about what this? What did you learn? Well, I'd like to give my my uh, money away to... Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna give uh, all my scholarship money plus interest... To Ray Don Chong. And that'll be fine. Well, He's like, okay, and? Uh, well, in addition to that, I'm also going to, uh, like, stay at... Uh, I'm going to... Volunteer. Yeah, I'm going to spend my summer and one day a week volunteering to help out. Okay, and... Yeah. Uh, when okay. I graduate, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna sign a contract that says I'm giving a certain amount of my money to help, uh, black students to get into Harvard. Okay, and, uh. Well, I'm gonna get a law degree. And I, I'm very sorry. Yeah, well, he finally, he ends it on, I'm going to get a law degree. And then, fucking, James Earl Jones smiles like Willy Wonka, and he's like, indeed you are, my dear boy! Ho, ho, ho! Into the James Earl jones evader. <laughs> Oh my god, how much do I want to go into the James Earl jones Evader? Oh my gosh, you can press any button, and it just flies you around in the deepest voice. <laughs> oh god, okay. So, but yeah, no no, no, no suspension, yeah. no expulsion, nothing bad happens to him. Oh, and of course, his parents decide to pay for his schooling. Well, yeah, they're like, oh, they're gonna pay for it. But at a 25% interest... Oh, get, get fucked. The first part of this movie is him talking about how rich he's going to be by the time he's 30. Oh, yeah, he's like, well, I'm going to make my first million by the time I'm 30 and then retire by 35. Oh, gosh, what if you had to retire at 37? That would be horrible because you have to pay off a student loan. Oh, oh, think of the terrible things you'd have to endure as you lie on the Cayman Islands and fucking drink daiquiris that pass by on a turtle. You fuck. Oh, I hate him. That does remind me, though, that I want, I want to build my app for... Uh, <laughs> I've been talking to John about this. I want to build an app that just shows you at any given time when you open it the current amount of money you would need to have in order to retire to islands like you would in a movie in the 80s. Yeah, so it's just like you can sort it by how uh, expensive it would be or how hard it is to get into the country. Yeah, how good the extradition protections are. Yeah. So in case you want to do it on a criminal basis like uh, or, or, you know, just in value of comfort on the island. Yeah, yeah. you know. So, look for that app yeah, coming that's, soon. That's, that's my app, the Escape to the Islands 80s app, and it always just shows you the current amount of money you would need to make in order to escape to the islands and live the rest of your life as some shit heel in it, <laughs> just staring at the ocean from a lawn chair, which I don't understand why everyone seems to think that's the perfect ending. They're always oh, yeah. like, we'll escape to the Bahamas and we'll just sit there on a beach and look at the water. I would get bored in like three minutes. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, well, that was an interesting afternoon. Now what? <laughs> What else we got on this island? Oh, there's a beach on the other side? That's great. I guess I'll guess I'll try that. Uh, uh, oh, God. So, yeah. And then, in addition to no repercussions... <laughs> he gets the girl. Gets the girl, and the way he gets the girl is she's like, 
no, you done fucked up, fuck you, I'm leaving. Yeah. But when she leaves, our two guys who always tell racist jokes show up, tell a racist joke, and he punches both of them with, like, full-on super strength. Yeah, he has super strength. I guess the suntan pills he's been taking also gave him Superman powers. Because he punches them, and when he hits them, they sort of lean back in the beginning of the frame, and then it cuts to them flying onto a table. Where they are covered in what I can only assume is literal poo. Yeah, that just looks like they have dog shit on them now. Yeah, they just have poo. Like, he he hit them into his spare supply of blackface. <laughs> oh, anyway, that hit, him punching two white dudes is impressive enough for her to be like, well, you doing that makes up for you being a racist weirdo in blackface for the first three months I met you, and for stealing my scholarship, so... I love you. Aw, you. I can't stay mad at you. You're white. <laughs> no repercussions at all. Oh, God. Nothing. Nothing happens to him, except now he has to get a job. Yeah. That's it. Oh, my God. All right, so, John, you want to wrap this bad boy up? We're going we're gonna to go over if we don't. All right, so, uh, yeah. We basically got to all of our predictions for better or worse. That is correct. I, I pointed out that there is no point where people are scared that he will punch them. Uh, we did get one thing, which is, uh, he did learn more of a lesson than I thought he was going to. Instead of it just being, I learned it's hard to be black. And James Earl Jones was like, yeah, yeah, no shit. He was like, I'm glad you learned a lesson. He goes, oh no, I didn't learn shit what it's like to be black. Because at any point in time, I could have stopped and been white instead. And I was like, oh wow, that's way more thought than I thought they were going to put into it. I thought they were just going to have him be like, yep. Now I know what it's like to be black. I know the black experience. Anyone who goes into blackface for a few months knows the black experience. Uh, Ah, I'm glad I have that now. Thankfully, that did not occur. Although, that is basically the message of the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Still, they have one sentence where he says it isn't, but it's the message of the movie. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they say that isn't. That is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. So, let's do the ratings on this. Well, we gotta do our... Do we do our favorite and least favorite? Well, ugh, God. Do you even want to give a favorite on this? Yeah. I'll let you. Yeah. Go All for right. it. My favorite thing in this movie is that they licensed the Sam and Dave song Soul Man, the 1967 printing, and they played it in its entirety twice. Yep. I love that song. <laughs> so, to me, I was like, oh, well, at least while they're playing basketball and for some reason while they're driving around Boston, I get to listen to them play the entirety of Soul Man, which is a rad song. Okay. So there you go. That's my favorite. That leaving you with nothing. No, that leaves me with James Earl Jones. Oh, James Earl Jones. Great character. Yeah. The, it, yeah. it leaves me with the James Earl Jones character mostly during the one time where he's trying to relate to a student who's having a hard time. Yeah. Because the rest of it, you're like, oh, you're just a hard-ass professor. It's a very cliche role. Yeah. And then the time where he's like, I forgive you for being in blackface. You learned a valuable lesson. No repercussions. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm sorry, James. I mean, That's watching terrible. His, watching his gruff face crack into a smile for the first time in the whole movie at that, when he's like, well, I have to forgive this shit white kid. This smile. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, they made you smile at that. I'm sorry, James. Oh, it was brutal. Ugh. Yeah, I, I would also throw, uh, if, if it wasn't for the fact that the least favorite thing in this movie is just racism, <laughs> I mean, if we, let's set, go ahead and set that aside. This, the least, the, okay, let's, above let's the take floor, that away. Yeah, let's take racism out of the picture. What's the, what's your least favorite thing in this movie? Okay, if I'm gonna pick one, I'll just try and pick a scene that okay. I think is my least favorite thing in this movie. Yeah. And it's definitely got to be the, uh, the scene where he meets Julia Louis Dreyfus and the uh, the boyfriend again, and he's doing that fucking Ray Charles, the shit. Ray Charles shit. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a terrible scene. All oh, right. God, it's so awful. 
And the rest of the time where they were doing the racist bullshit, for me at least they were like, oh, we're trying to make a comment on it, even if we are actually just reinforcing the stereotype. Whereas that was just straight up them being terrible. Yeah. And I would throw my least favorite thing about the film to wasting 1986 Leslie Nielsen. What a waste! I mean, he's in the movie. He's a racist building owner who does not do anything funny. No. It's Leslie Nielsen! Why would you cast him for a straight man role? <laughs> like, he's... No, he's fine as an actor, even then. If you wanted to give him a straight man role, at least give him something to do. I know, and, and I know that if you go far enough back in history, Leslie Nielsen was a famous yeah. dramatic actor in the first place. Before Airplane, he was a drama actor. But Airplane changed things. <laughs> this is a post-Airplane America. It's not, I don't think it's that much. Oh, wait. It? Oh, that's 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 still true. Oh, it's the po- post-Airplane <laughs> America. Oh, oh, 9-11. Oh. Oh. No, but I, I don't think it's that post-Airplane. Isn't Airplane like 1985? I don't know. I feel like it. And this is 1986. Yeah, they he could have still had some yeah, bread. Yeah. This probably might have just been on someone's shelf for a while before yeah. they were like, Oh, I guess we should probably release it. We really got to put this out. We got to make the money back. <laughs> the longer we wait, the worse it's going to be when we put it out. <laughs> God, could you imagine if they had waited even longer? <laughs> put this out this year. <laughs> Soul Man came out in like, even say 2000. I'd have been like, oh man. Ooh, boy, that is, that's real sad for you. Now opening up at Stormfront Theaters, it's Soul Man, the movie that confirms everything you thought you knew. <laughs> uh, so, there we go. That That's the best and worst. Let it be known that when we were saying that the worst thing is, like, Leslie Nielsen being wasted and stuff, that's because we're assuming a baseline that this is the racist movie. This is yeah. just the most racist movie. Considering that this is Blackface the movie... In a time where they should have known better. Yeah. This isn't like, oh, it was 1930 and it was Blackface the movie. And you're like, I mean, yes, you probably should have known better, but at least that was more culturally accepted. This is fucking 1986. Don't do that. Yeah. So there you go. The racism is still the worst part of this film. Okay. So the rating on this, we are going to give this a rating out of 10. We are each going to give 1 to 5. Uh, well, maybe one I to five. I think zero to five. I think, <laughs> I think I need to clarify the rules, John. Can I, I give this might, movie a zero? I think it might be possible that we are going zero to five on this one. Okay, I just need to make sure. Okay. So, Jeff, your rating, zero to five. Oh, it's a three. It's a two. I mean, I mean being four excellence. <laughs> this is great. This is my favorite. No, I'm giving this a zero. Okay. Don't watch this. It's a good thing. It's been buried. It's so annoying. It's not It's not even redeemable because there's a funny joke in it at any point. There's nothing. Just do Leslie Nielsen and James Earl Jones and Julia Louis-Dreyfus a favor and pretend this movie never happened. It's good for them that this movie never happened. Yeah, you want to bury this. I'm going to go ahead and give this a zero as well. Yeah. We're giving this a zero out of ten. Yeah. Not, not because it's completely unwatchable, but because it should be unwatchable. It should be legally unwatchable. It, it should be not capable to be watched. <laughs> it should break your computer when you try to watch it. Like, when you do this, if you download this movie and try to play it, a little signal should be sent out and a pop-up should show up on your screen. Oh, it should be Radon Chong. The, the FBI have been notified. Yeah. Just a little pop-up window of Radon Chong and James Earl Jones like, Hi, we want to tell you that you're racist. Don't watch this movie. <laughs> it won't make you not racist. It will make us happy. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so we, we've gone a little long on this one, but... Man, that was that was some bullshit. That was intolerable. So, thank you so much for listening to us. If you've got a movie you want us to review here on Movie Mastery, go ahead and let us know. 
You can send us a message at systemmastery at gmail.com, or you can go ahead and find us on all the social medias. You can ask us on Facebook or on Twitter, or if you just want to go to systemmasterypodcast.com, leave a comment either under this, or we have a list on the site of what movies we could be doing. Go ahead and make suggestions there as well. Yeah, we just recently updated the list. It looks enormous. It is enormous. It's still very random. We never know what we're going to watch. Yep, so go ahead, give us that. If there's anything you want us to be tortured by watching, go ahead and let us know. This should serve as a bellwether for you that we will watch anything. I will I will literally watch anything. I it doesn't matter. Yeah. Training video? <laughs> just some, <laughs> just some static <laughs> an entire hour and a half of just a German man driving a forklift. <laughs> that would actually be less racist. <laughs> I mean, you got that going for it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We will see you in 2 weeks with our next episode, but until that time, you have a non-racist week. <laughs>